You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. We are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. Unfortunately, Susie can't join us today, but we do have a reoccurring guest character on. It's the Strasburg. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, good sir. And uh, we are here for a very special reason. You see, it's it's once again Friday the 13th, which means we have to cover another Friday the 13th movie. We are it's up been to, a while. It, ha- it has been a while. Uh, but it's, we are up to Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan from 1989. It's an hour and 40 minutes, directed by Rob Heaton. Uh, he did some episodes of Friday the 13th, the series, a lot of television stuff. The Commish, Alien Fury, Countdown to Invasion, like a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, let's go around the table and see what everyone feels about this entry into the Jason saga. <laughs> Josh, as you are our guest, we will start with you. What are your thoughts on this one? Well... Because it's a Friday the 13th movie, because it's a Jason Voorhees movie, of course, I fucking love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, but this is the one where the cracks really started to show. Uh, yep. uh, but yeah, so I think we're going to have some pretty interesting things to say about this movie. And I will say that the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes or so is like one of my favorite sequences in the whole series. I absolutely love the Jason Takes Manhattan part of the movie. Agreed. But before we get to that part of the movie, you know, it's uh, it's hit or miss. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I like to stay positive because, you know, any Jason is better than no Jason. And this was a, a kick-ass movie with a really great looking Jason as well. So I yeah. am a big fan. Can't wait to talk about this one. All righty. Well, Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. What are your thoughts? Well, <laughs> uh, it's not a good movie. Uh, I, 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 the, I, the, the cracks are canyons. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, and no, in all seriousness, it's, uh, it's kind of the beginning of the end, no pun intended. <laughs> right, <laughs> but uh, it's not that great of a of a, a showing. Uh, it's to me, it's one of the weaker ones. Uh, I don't think it's good at all. Uh, I do have some positives. Uh, I, does this introduce Kane Potter? Kane Hodder is the last one. Ah, uh, that was part seven. Yeah. Part seven. Yeah. I love Kane Hodder as Jason. So yeah. if he's Jason, I love it. Like, I, now I did notice some things watching this critically. He moves pretty damn fast when he wants to in this one. <laughs> this is the start of teleporting, Jason. <laughs> yeah. There's like, I think we did like that, parkour, Jason. <laughs> is, is that what they're calling it? Teleporting, Jason? The, uh, because well, the video game explains it away as he basically <laughs> has like, this supernatural movement and it's they don't say it because I don't think they legally can, but it's basically deadite movement. <laughs> so, ah. Yeah. yeah. He's a deadite. Well, I mean, that, that, that's canon. It's, you know, it's, they don't say it out loud, but it's totally canon that he's right. a deadite. 
Right. Well, I mean, I'm talking about the couple scenes where he jumps to jumps out and runs to get somebody. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I did notice that. Um, I gotta say, I do like a lot of the kills in this. Oh, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the kills. I love Jason. I hate the last 10 minutes of the movie. Oh, see, I love it. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, my, it's so stupid. Just so stupid. Okay. I, make, love, I love it. it. It's just, it's stupid. <laughs> um, I, I have a lot to say about the ending. Okay. Yeah. Those two, the, the, those two would not be alive. No, the, no. The, spl- the splash would have burned them just as much. Right. Anyway, that, that always bothers me, but yes. But here's my biggest thing, and we've always talked about this, about this movie. There is physically impossible to go from Camp Crystal Lake to New York City <laughs> by yep. via water. Yep. You can't do it. I looked up maps. Just... <laughs> Just, just to, so I didn't look like a dumbass. And there's no, there's no possible way he could have swam. I, I have a comment about that right in the opening. Now, are are, are they are, are they saying he teleported to the boat? Because he came out of the water and got on the boat. So did he teleport and miss? <laughs> Landed in the water. I, there's there's a lot of questions about this movie. Yeah, there's it, 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 a lot of hand waving. It, it, it's fun. It, it's 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 a fun movie. It's bad. It, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a, it's pretty much a good bad. I mean, I, I think it's bad, but I don't hate it. Right. But it's it's you know I I do watch it more often than not because of the silliness. Uh, trying to figure out things is just you know I do love when. Towards the end, when he gets splattered and he rips the mask off, that part's cool. Oh, his face is so it, fucking creepy in this one. It, even though he sounds like uh, Godzilla. <laughs> yes! <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's my opinion about the movie. What What do you think about that rockin' song, Darkest Side of Night? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The so- <laughs> I always forget the soundtrack. Uh, you know I love, you know I love me some 80s. Hair metal. Hair metal. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I I actually I had to to find the lyrics for that song and look at them because it's it, it's so fucking fun. Like hair metal song lyrics are always great. But oh, it's yeah. like it starts off fallen angels into the street. It's an empty dance and so incomplete. <laughs> like oh god, it's gonna be so- fantastic. Sounds like the beginning of a Thriller with Vince Price. Vincent Price. <laughs> right. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh man! Now I'm I'm more with more in Josh's camp on this one. I I absolutely love this film. Um, it probably for all the wrong reasons, but uh, it is so cheesy, which is part of the the love of this flick. I love the look of Jason, and I always forget that he's like soggy through the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, that's not. It, was he wearing like a shiny outfit because he was fucking wet throughout the whole movie, and well, and he had, was- he had ample time to dry. Well, that's the thing. Like when he takes his mask off, like he barfs up water. So it's like Josh made a good point. We we were texting back and forth. He said he's like a swamp <laughs> monster, and like, yeah, he really is. He's he's very squishy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> he is. I think that he he just fully embraced the like swamp thing nature of what Jason is. He's slowly becoming like this uh, water elemental, you know. Yeah. Uh, which, which is. It, wait, wait. Go ahead. Okay. Even, even though he's afraid of water. And I was going to say, well, <laughs> and I'm doing the quotations. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were all going there, which is why Freddy versus Jason doesn't make any fucking sense. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, but Jason, yeah. He, he gets his power from the lake. He goes into hibernation in the lake, and he rises from the lake like like a sea monster. I mean, yep. I think there's you know there's a lot of metaphors to be made there. But yeah, they, they just went full full sea creature, you know, swamp monster in this movie. And yeah, he's slimy. He's not just wet. He's slimy. Yeah, he's that that look is is very eerie. It's very creep show. There's actually a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of moments. I have a few comments throughout the throughout the movie where. Like it's shot like creep show. There's moments that the 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 jumps look like creep show scenes. The lighting looks like creep show scenes. I feel like who you know whoever the cinematographer was on this, they took a lot of influence from that first creep show movie. And then when you look at the design for Jason, it's like, you know what? It's kind of like the swamp monsters from Creep Show. It has that same soggy, like bloated skin kind of look to them. So I dig it. Um. I do love the parts in Manhattan because it's so dumb, um, particularly the boxing fight. Oh, my God. Like, I can't wait till we get to that part. Um, <laughs> when, when he show when he shows the uh, well, they're dressed like punk rockers, but they're listening to the rap. So I don't know what you're yeah, the, uh, the, the stereotypical Hollywood gang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the street he, show, he shows them his face and they run off. Yeah. They're like, sorry, buddy. And they leave. The, uh, which which IMDb credits as uh, Street Urchin. I don't know if that's in the credits or not, <laughs> but it's like really urchin? urchin Urchin in the eighties. Okay. Well, the, the the guys who who rob them are are named Gangbanger One and Two. <laughs> that's like Stairmaster from the, <laughs> the people under the stairs. <laughs> right. Oh, but I think the only thing that truly bothers me about this movie, aside from the fact that over an hour of its runtime is on a boat. Um, it really bothers me when you know that the original script had like, you know, all these scenes all across New York City. And then the for whatever reason, the budget was like just not there for it. It's like if you're going to make a movie called Jason Takes Manhattan, fucking go there. Like just, right. you know, spend the money and make it happen. Don't don't make the the them rewrite it to be like, yeah, well, most of it's going to take place on a boat and we're going to have 20 minutes of the movie in Manhattan. Like, <laughs> well, especially since they filmed some of the movie, I think it was in Vancouver. Like it wasn't even all right. filmed in New York. Like I would have preferred, look, if you can't afford the rights for the Statue of Liberty or, you know, uh, Madison Square Garden or whatever, fine. But like New York City is full of dark, creepy alleyways that would have been perfect for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what they could have done. They could have just filmed it in whatever the cheapest uh, city that they could find to film it in like Vancouver or wherever and just you know faked it for New York down all the dark alleyways which again they did in this movie they could have just right. done more of that and then just you know peppered in with oh look we got you know we got permission <laughs> to film at the Empire State Building for four hours and just get as yeah. much as you can and then you're right back into the dark alleyways again here's our Times Square shot you know that kind of, like yeah that would have been perfect you know and I mean hell they could have filmed in any fucking you know state park I mean like yeah it's Central Park you know, like it, yep. it could have worked. They definitely could have done it. And that, I think that is its biggest flaw is that it takes place mostly on a boat. Um, also, I don't like any of the, the human characters. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> no, the, the, yeah, the only guy I like is uh, is the uh, dude gets his head punched off. You know, right, Julius. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> All like, the rest of them are just fodder that I can't wait for Jason to kill. He is the hero in this movie. <laughs> even even Julius though is kind of a dick up until the boxing scene. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like. He at least has a personality. You know, right. He, but yeah, he had some kind of personality. Everyone in this movie is so either stereotyped or like milk toast. Uh, yeah. Julius at least had something going on, whether you liked him as a person. You know, I wouldn't want to be his friend in real life, you know. Right. He's the only one I was rooting for. All the rest of them, I was like rooting for Jason to stab him already and shut up. <laughs> but it's like it's hard when you have like the last two movies had likable characters, you know, in in Tommy Doyle and and uh, Tommy don't want to say Tommy Doyle, Tommy um, Jarvis. I, I just watched Halloween, so I've got Tommy Doyle on the brain. <laughs> uh, Tommy Jarvis and Tina Shepard, like both of those characters are memorable, cool characters, you know. And then you get fucking Rennie, and it's like she's tragic about something that happened in her past. <laughs> We don't know. She keeps seeing weird ghostly visions of Jason, which we'll get into. But like, what the fuck? I, I don't like any <laughs> of these characters. Um, even the character that was supposed to be like sympathetic to Rennie, like with Sean. I'm like, you suck. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> like, Yeah, he's one of those milk toast uh, uh, losers that I can't stand. Like, right? he was so much of a nice guy that it was like off putting, you know, like, yeah, it was so, exactly. It was so like unattractive, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be a captain, Dad. <laughs> it's like, oh God, grow a pair, bro. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's so since we're talking about the cast, might as well run through it because there there are quite a few of them. Uh, but we have uh, Rennie played by Jensen Dag uh, Daggett. She was in Twenty One Jump Street, Melrose Place, The Adventures of Briscoe County Junior, which is a show we always bring up. Fucking love that show. Um, uh, Home Improvement, Will and Grace. Then we have Scott Reeves played by Sean Robertson. He was in The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and The King of Queens. Well, those uh, first two explain his acting in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Charles McCullough, played by Peter Mark Richman. He was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, Murder, She Wrote, We Got One, uh, and Swamp Thing. Now, <laughs> this guy, I think he's the only character that I like the performance of because he's playing a dick and he plays it well. <laughs> Like his he does. Like I, his I performance genuinely hate is well his character. Done. What's that? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry to talk over you, but yeah, like I genuinely hate his character. But like, oh, hey, yeah. that's that's good acting, right? Because it could just be boring. And that's what I've always said. Like, if a character can make you hate them, <laughs> then the actor is doing their job if they're playing a villain. <laughs> and he he definitely nails that. Uh, then we have Colleen Van Dusen, played by Barbara Bingham, another one of those milk toast people you were talking about. She was in Hawaii Five O, The Octagon, and Beyond Darkness. And then, of course, you know the man, the myth, the legend, Jason, played by Kane Hodder. We don't really need to go through his credits, but we will just say uh, House, the second story, which I do want to get on here, part two. Hell yeah! He was in uh, Project Metal Beast. Now that is one I wanted so badly to put on Werewolf Month, but I could not find it streaming anywhere. Um, I know it wouldn't get any votes other than me and maybe McCoy, but <laughs> I was like, I wanted to put it on there so bad. It's like, if you guys haven't seen it, it's like this military dude gets bit by a werewolf on some black ops mission and then is brought back and they experiment on him and he turns into like this super werewolf <laughs> and he's just like killing people left and right. It's late night showtime, you know, movie channel nonsense, but God, I loved it. I saw it when I was like 14 and fell in love with this movie. 
And of course, Kane Hodder is playing the titular werewolf. Um, then, if, then the hatchet films, a bunch of stuff that, that we need to get on the show. Uh, then we have Susie, played by Tiffany Paulson. She was in Runaway Bride, Love 101, and The Next Best Thing. Uh, JJ, played by Saffron Hender- uh, Henderson. He was in The Fly 2, uh, G.I. Joe Extreme, and Dragon Ball Z. Did a bunch of voices. Then we have Wayne, played by Martin Cummings. He was in 21 Jump Street, The Omen 4, The Awakening. Uh, the Substitute, which is one of those 90s movies I fucking love. Um, Heck yeah. It's so good. Like, I... Oh my god! I, I can't remember what <laughs> podcast it was. It might have been on Raised by Rentals where we talked about this, but I have this soft spot for like, you know, the the uh, school has gone wrong and like there's the badass in the school. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. I love that, but oh yeah, yeah, like the class of 1999. Yeah, the substitute yeah. one one eight seven. Like a bunch of them. <laughs> it's so good. But then we have uh, Julius played by Vincent Craig Dupree. He was a Night Rider, Freddy's Nightmares in a Different World. Tamara Mason, played by Charlene Martin, 21 Jump Street, Street Justice, Breaking Point, and Smallville. And finally, uh, Eva Watanabe, played by Kelly Hugh. Uh, she was in Night Court, 21 Jump Street, Surf Ninjas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, X-Men 2, X-Men United. And then she did a bunch of stuff for, like, uh, voice acting for, like, Mortal Kombat X, the Ninja Turtles cartoons, uh, Robot Chicken, a bunch of stuff like that. So for anyone who has not seen this movie or the this series and this movie in particular, um, it's more of what we love about Jason. He he comes back from the dead yet again and makes his way to New York City on a, a giant boat full of uh, <laughs> Cap Crystal Lake students, which I, I'll get into, um, full of students and hijinks ensue until he gets to New York, where he only wants to kill the students that he was chasing. That that I find very out of character for Jason. There's a lot of drugs and alcohol and sex happening in New York, and he did not hone in on any of them. <laughs> he was he was busy. He was focused. Yeah, he was, and it's like, uh, I, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. I got I got stuff to say. But uh, we open with a montage of New York City, and uh, we get the opening credits and and the title card while a DJ is talking about how awful <laughs> New York City. How, well, I'm sorry. How awful and great New York City truly is. So, of course, we get the the montage sequence of like the Hollywood punks, you know, the Hollywood, uh, the, the, the assorted gang, we'll call them. There's got to be like, you know, there's there's the Puerto Rican guy, the Asian guy, the white guy and the black guy all hanging out with mohawks and stuff. Uh, we have muggings, drug use, you know, lots of close ups on rats because that's New York. <laughs> it's swimming in slimy barrels for some reason. <laughs> right? And it's like I, I love how in every 80s movie new york city is portrayed with just smoke coming out of everywhere every manhole every alleyway every window there's just smoke billowing out of everywhere (laughs) it's like why is that you know (laughs) i mean i guess the sewer makes sense because according to this movie yeah yeah no i I just always thought it was like cold and it's like steam (laughs) coming up from like uh you know like steam vents or exhaust or whatever out of the you know, the heaters of the buildings, furnaces, things like that. But I don't know. I, mean, I guess I guess I just always assumed that, but I have no idea if that's true. Well, and that's the thing. It would make sense if it was like, you know, wintry sequence and like, okay, yeah, that's steam. But like you see people walking around in like shorts and t-shirts and it's like just steam billowing out. And like some of the shit that they show it billowing out from behind doesn't make any sense. Like there was one shot of an alleyway and just from behind a dumpster, there was shitloads of steam coming out. Like, all right. Just steamy in New York, apparently. 
there's like a there's just some guy running around like uh, putting campfires behind buckets and barrels and all, <laughs> right. just for for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> so we we cut to Crystal Lake, which is now connected to the ocean. Yes. <laughs> I I literally looked at a map and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> Camp Crystal Lake, right? Reese, you do this too, right? It's it's in real life, it's Camp Noby Bosco in New right. Jersey. Um, the the closest actual town of any size to it is uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is kind of an interesting piece of trivia. But yeah, we're talking like it's so far away from the ocean that it's on the opposite side of the state of New Jersey, closer to Pennsylvania <laughs> than anything else. But I literally was I'm on the map. And I'm like, okay, okay. So maybe this little creek right here and it leads into this little stream over here, and then it goes, no, goes the stream like river. dies. Yeah, and then it kind of goes off into nowhere. Okay, but wait, if it forks to the north, we'll just pretend the water flows north for a little while, and then you know, and I'm like trying to trace it. Ah, how do I get there? So, uh, so, th- so this is what happened. So after Jason, you know, uh, gets the boat, right? He he takes it to the edge of the lake, and then he picks it up and does that like Scooby Doo style sneaky footstep, like <laughs> walks it to the next body of water, puts it in, and sails away. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, and we'll get to it, too, because at the same time, if, I don't even know where to start. Like, do they live in New Jersey? Like, are they they're high school students coming from Crystal no. Lake? Yeah. Like, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get, we'll, no, no, we'll get there. We'll get. In the very next scene, yeah, because we see a boat, like, quietly drifting along, and we pan in where we meet Jim and Susie making out in the boat. Listening to the DJ we heard from the opening, talking about this request goes all the way out to the graduating class at Crystal Lake. And he's, he says, who are graduating on the 13th. And then they, they go, hey, he's talking about us. And she's like, rad. <laughs> like, okay, wait, okay. Wait, so, wait. so the Crystal okay, Lake so, students? <laughs> I, okay, so I wanted you to get to the plot point. Okay, okay, so right there. <laughs> oh, wait, if they're in Crystal Lake, so they live in New Jersey, where are they taking the cruise ship from? They're going to New York City, but where do they start? Because holy shit, they're on that boat for a long ass time. And like, <laughs> And like, I don't know about you, but it doesn't take that long on a boat to get from New Jersey to New York. I mean, they have a fucking ferry that does it back and forth like all day long. So, okay, so I'm looking at the map and I'm like, okay, so they maybe got to Trenton, which is a little bit further south. It's still like central New Jersey, but like, okay, you could maybe follow the water south to Trenton. But then they have to like take this ship down a river to like past (laughs) Philadelphia out into uh, like Delaware Bay, so you're all the way down by Delaware. So, did they all drive to Dover, Delaware, and to take a <laughs> boat to New York City when they could have just driven to New York City because it's, <laughs> they drove halfway across the fucking state for no reason? They I'm just so could have got on a bus. Exactly. They could have <laughs> hitchhiked there faster. But Shit. I, I think uh, you know, like I never, <laughs> never really bothered thinking about the logistics of this prior to being an adult. Um, but the thing that's always stuck in my craw about this scene is the graduating class at Crystal Lake. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Crystal Lake was a camping resort. So is there just a high school on Crystal Lake? Well, yeah. In Forest Green, New Jersey. (laughs) That's the other thing. It's like, by this point, it's not called Crystal Lake anymore. So why are we calling it Crystal Lake? Yeah, and yeah, I guess the high school could be near the lake. But then in the scene, these two jokers on the boat, they're like, oh, we're near that camp where all those people were killed. What right. people were killed? Like, oh, wait, how, how do you not know about the people who were killed in the town where you live? I have a whole <laughs> other complaint about that 
later in the movie, but holy shit, that bothered me throughout this entire thing. There have been seven massacres so far <laughs> in this sleepy little town in the middle of nowhere, and you mean to tell me that you've never heard this story and you're graduating high school now? Bullshit. Oh, Absolute it's, bullshit. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I lived in a small little town when I was seven years old and a guy killed a couple of people and, and people talked about that shit for years, for years. Right. And I was a little kid and I knew every detail of that story from watching the news. So how does some teenage girl not know about the seven massacres so far? I mean, it's like freaking Timothy McVeigh going to school at Starpoint out, you know, out, out near where Jessica used to live. Everyone still talks about that, you know? So it's like, yeah, you would know. Like, they would talk about this. But, oh, my God. So, we see, like I said, Jim and Susie. They start getting all hot and heavy. And, of course, we get them titties because it's Jason movie. Um, <laughs> I had to think about it. I was like, was there any Jason movies with no titties? And I'm like, no, they're they're in all of them. Like, they, they make sure to get them in there everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. I don't know if Jason Lives has any titties. We'll have to look at part six again. It was... <laughs> Famously, one of the like uh, cleaner ones. There's lots of sexual stuff in the movie, I've, but uh, oh, but that chick got her that chick got her face smashed into the RV. Didn't actually take her shirt off. You're right. I for some reason I was just uh, thinking of that sex scene, and I'm like, yeah, there was of course there were titties. But you're right. She was bouncing around with a with her top on. I holy <laughs> shit, you might be right. They're in every other one. I know that. <laughs> They're yeah, in part sure. seven definitely because we for made sure. fun of that scene where like. We finally get them titties and like she actively like lowers the the blanket, giggles and picks it back up and then drops it again. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, OK, yeah. Look at that. Uh, but this is actually, I believe, the only spot we get them titties in this movie. If I'm remembering uh, correctly, I think it is. Uh, I think so. I mean, the I will have to get there. I don't remember now if she's wearing underwear or not, but the the shower scene. The, the mean, yeah, the the mean chick who like draws shit on her belt on her body, like she's barely dressed. But yeah, I yeah, think this might be it. I know in in the trivia she was naked for that scene, but they don't show it. And then there's the stunt double that gets thrown into the mirror, and you see naked ass, but no no titties. And so, but anyway, we're we're focusing on the titties a lot. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Jim goes to throw the anchor overboard, and then gets back in bed, all freaked out. Susie asks him what's wrong, and he gives her the story of Jason. And like you said, she's acting like she had never fucking heard it before. So while he's telling her the tale, we see the anchor latching onto a power cable laying on the bottom of the lake, and we see Jason trapped under, under the rubble from part seven. The anchor rips the cable, Jason is electrified, and a kick-ass laser light show. <laughs> I love that, because we pan up to the surface of the lake, and it's just like, boom, 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 there's like lights going on. It looks like there's like a fucking rock concert under the water. And then, terrible. for some reason, a monkey howls. Did you guys notice that? No. <laughs> there was, like, a weird sound, and Susie was like, what's that? It was like, wah! Like, why was there a monkey? Oh, that was a loon. Was that a loon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just a random bird. Just a coincidence. <laughs> oh, my God. I was cracking up. So, she tells Jim to go take a look. He agrees to go. And meanwhile, soggy Jason starts to board the boat. Susie gets tired of waiting after all of three seconds, gets dressed, and goes to look for Jim. Suddenly, not Jason, pops into the cabin and stabs her with a plastic retractable blade. And I love it because she silently stares down at the blade as if, you know, she was really stabbed. <laughs> he just goes, he goes, gotcha good, Suze. <laughs> oh, and it's like, okay, so 
you you were about to get laid and you're going to be like, huh, I'm going to scare you. Like you suck. Like you deserve to get killed. That's what I was thinking too. And like, she should have fucking punched him in the nuts. I'm sorry. Right. She was just, she was left there filling up her panties. She was pooping. <laughs> but this gives us a reason for Jason to get his hockey mask back. We see the soggy hand reach in and pick up the hockey mask for himself. Kids go back to making out. Jason gets himself a spear gun. And uh, again, the way this is shot, it reminds me of Creepshow. We see like the, the low blue lighting and then like the zombie hand reach into frame and grab the spear gun and then pull it slowly back out of frame. It was very much Creepshow. So <laughs> Susie turns around and sees Jason and stops humping Jim just long enough for Jim to get a look. Jason uh, Jason shoots the spear, misses Susie. She pieces the fuck out the window. <laughs> she just crawls <laughs> right out. And Jim just sits there like, oh, shit, I can't move. And Jason stabs him with the spear gun. Now, as a kid, when he pulled the spear gun out and we see the tubes covered in blood, I always thought that was his intestines. I didn't realize oh, that me was too. the tubes on the spear gun. <laughs> yeah, same. Same here. <laughs> I remember always thinking, like, wow, his intestines are really smooth and white. And <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it looks really fake. That's a bad special effect. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't until I was way older that I'm like, oh, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> but Susie hides in a little storage hatch, and Jason grabs the spear out of the wall, makes his way over to the hatch, stabs her in slow motion as she screams and spazzes out. As a kid, that scene always freaked me out. Because he throws the hatch open and just looks down at her. She starts screaming and he slowly brings the spear into frame and then just pokes her. <laughs> yeah, I do like the fact that when, that she, when she hid, she actually like stayed quiet because it's always in horror movies and people go hide in a closet or something. And it's like, I can hear you like breathing and shivering and whimpering from like, right. two, two rooms away. Like, I mean, uh, Jason, Jason found her because he's a professional at this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but hey, she was still a good hider. Yeah, that, that is actually in an upcoming film that I just watched for the show. There's there's a whole sequence where someone is hiding from the bad guy and they're they're doing a great job of being quiet. And then the moment the bad guy is out of frame, they're like, oh, oh, oh. it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're going to get found. And of course they do. But anyway, so we cut to the Lazarus, the big boat headed to New York City with the graduating class of, of Camp Crystal Lake. So we, we meet Rennie and her teacher, Colleen. They pull up at the dock, and Colleen gives Rennie a present. Stephen King's Chekhov's pen. <laughs> it's basically a, a fountain pen that she's like, you know, if anyone can, can do anything with this, it's you. So we find out she's a writer. That never comes into play again. <laughs> um, so they head to the boat where we meet Charles McCullough, the, uh, uncle, uh, the uncle of Rennie, as well as one of the other teachers on this trip. And we find out from him that neither Jim or Susie showed up for the trip and he's worried. And I love this because Colleen's like, oh, don't worry. They're probably exploring each other's bodies. And he's like, oh, well, in that case, it's like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about those kids. They just off fucking. <laughs> They're fine. They're adults now. <laughs> then we we meet the deckhand, Ralph, the sequel, as he sees <laughs> Jason sailing into the harbor. And he's just like, nope. He doesn't say nothing to no one. He just walks away. He sees Jason sailing in, doesn't care. So, um, yeah, this is this is where we find out through conversation that Charles is the, the uncle and legal guardian of Rennie and doesn't want her on the trip. And it's kind of pissed that she's there. And I was like, oh, I'm sure we'll find out more about that later. 
Um, so we, we cut to the bridge where we see uh, the Admiral and his son, Sean. And the Admiral is beaming with pride over his son, who he's putting in charge of the voyage. It's very clear that Sean wants nothing to do with this. You know, so Sean tries, but he screws up and, you know, his father gets pissed off. So he leaves his father on the bridge being like, I didn't want this, Dad, and takes off. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason boards the boat like a fucking pirate. <laughs> like, and this is like another example of what movies did they watch? What what did Ronnie you watch when making Freddy versus Jason? Where he's like, oh, Jason's afraid of water. Like, no, dude, he literally climbed up out of the water like a fucking pirate and boarded that boat. Like, <laughs> nah. Dude, he ain't scared of nothing. Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing. So, you know, old, old Ralph Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, tells Sean, the voyage is doomed. <laughs> and Sean's like, yep, pretty much. <laughs> and the boat begins its journey. <laughs> so we get a montage of activities on the boat, like shuffleboard and skeet shooting and some dancing to rock and 80s music. <laughs> on the deck of the ship, we see uh, Sean and Rennie, and they share a tender moment where he gives her a Statue of Liberty necklace that looked like he got it from a dollar store. <laughs> Because he did. <laughs> exactly. He tells her he'd like to hike to the top of the statue with her when they get to New York City. But Uncle Charles breaks it up by telling Sean his father is looking for him. You know, Charles then goes on to tell Rennie she shouldn't be on the trip. So we keep getting vague hints about something tragic that happened to her. But we won't know until the fucking end of the movie what actually happened. Cue black and white POV shot of Lady Slash playing her guitar. <laughs> this is... Uh, JJ and, and Wayne videotaping her. JJ tells him that she wants to shoot a video down in the power room, and he tells her he can't because he has to go help Tamara. She basically tells him that Tamara's a bitch and doesn't like him. She's just using him to get what she wants. But JJ's thinking with his dick, so he goes off to help Tamara anyway. All true statements. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so JJ makes her way down to the power room, and I love this because she she passes by this room where Jason is just standing there, like, completely unknown. It was so fucking Scooby-Doo. It was like the suit of armor that watches you as you move. He's just standing in the room, and she walks by, and we just pan over to his soggy shoes. <laughs> like, all right. So we get another back and forth with uh, Charles and Rennie about Rennie's mysterious past and how she can't remember what she's even afraid of, but she has to face it, so she has to be on this trip. Like, all right, this really doesn't pay off. Like, I'm sorry, this this whole reveal does not pay off, nor does it make any fucking sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Rennie's character, she has a couple of interesting traits, and it felt like they were trying to shoehorn her having these, like, hallucinations into a character. So they just sort of made up some childhood trauma, but it really didn't feel like they put any thought into it whatsoever. It was just, uh, I don't know, pick something, you know? Right. It, it makes no sense to the plot of the actual film, and it's just a waste of time. It It really is. Like... It could have just been simply like, oh, you know, she can't swim and she's afraid of the water. She almost drowned as a kid. Something like that. It Just leave it at that. So her being on a boat seems a little weird when she can't swim. But whatever. It's it's dumb. It almost it also felt like her character was supposed to be Tina Shepard. Like it kind of had attributes of Tina. 
Yeah, for sure. I definitely could have seen this as a sequel to part seven. And she definitely has the same kind of, uh, I'll use the word again, sort of milk toast, just boring, like pushover of a personality. Like I get that she's supposed to have like trauma in her past, but uh, it's so annoying how she's just like, like mooning and moaning and sighing to the whole fucking movie. Like, uh, shut up. Right. It's annoying. <laughs> no, don't, no, don't get me wrong, Reese. I still love this movie, but, <laughs> but we're here to bitch about it. Absolutely. <laughs> so back in the power room, uh, JJ starts rocking out and doesn't hear Jason creeping up behind her. The, I, I will give the movie this. That sequence of her playing her guitar and Jason just slowly walking down the stairs behind her is pretty genuinely creepy. Yeah, um, no, that is. There's a few moments like that where you see him coming up behind someone. I'm like, all right, that's spooky. Um, but she finally sees him. She screams and runs for it. Up top, we see Ralph the sequel. Hear JJ scream, screams and look around all shifty eyed. <laughs> JJ turns a corner right into Jason, who kills her with her axe. Huh? That made me laugh. Wah, kills wah. With guitar. <laughs> but did you notice that when he's it's a first person shot, so he he kills her in first person. Um, like from her point of view and before he hits with the guitar blood splatters. So like, <laughs> I didn't notice the blood went off a little too soon. <laughs> it was premature blood, <laughs> but, uh, we cut to Rennie getting dressed to go and to go out and see what's happening around the ship. She hears a young boy calling out mommy. She turns around and sees the, the porthole window in her room. There's a drowning boy pounding on it saying, help. Her dog also apparently sees this and runs the fuck away. I've always wondered about this scene because it's like, okay, so we're, we're going we're gonna to play it off that she was traumatized. So she's having these hallucinations like you had said, Josh. Uh, why does her dog see her hallucination? I'm, I'm at a loss. Movie, movie's he's a got good boy. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> movie's that, got a movie. Even as a kid, that bugged me because I thought it was like a ghost, you know, and then yeah. when it doesn't pay off, I'm like, so was that in her head? Like, I, it never made sense to me. No, it's not in her head because the dog saw it. Right. That's what, that's, that, that's what throws me off. Uh, according to the, the, the IMDb stuff, it's the supernatural from Jason. That's what that's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. The supernaturalness. Yeah, he's, you know, I mean, okay, so within the rules that this movie has already established, which is that, you know, all logic and reality is out the door. So, yeah, it, <laughs> it makes perfect sense that the dog just sensed that there was something evil over there. Like, Jason is on the other side of that wall. You know, and it just coincidentally happened at the same time that, you know, Rainey got freaked out about something completely unrelated. <laughs> totally makes sense. Oh, right? Because, okay. yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is, right? Oh, but yeah, so... no, I have comments later on, but I, as a kid, yeah, I thought that she was actually seeing something supernatural, that it was an actual spirit or a ghost or, or something. And I could never quite put my finger on it because I'm like, well, Jason's not dead technically. Right. So is it his ghost? Like, is his soul not a part of his body anymore? And Or is his spirit being tortured in some way? Like the tortured souls that live inside Freddy Krueger's no. chest, you know, like. <laughs> right. It was some no. undefined supernaturalness, but as an adult, like I have a completely different idea. But go ahead, Reese. That's the next movie where his soul's out of his body. 
That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, over and I, over and over again. I look forward to talking about that one. Holy shit. Oh, I don't. <laughs> oh, that one is just a freaking roller coaster ride of insanity. <laughs> oh yeah. Come on. You 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 got you gotta love Creighton Duke. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't, oh man, I love it. Yeah, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. But yeah, but like I said, I'll mention it at the end. But yeah, like as an adult, I realized that what's actually happening with Rennie is far more boring. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just I just have to say in reference to Creighton Duke, <laughs> say the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Jason Voorhees. Well, that makes me think of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. What? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, Jason's just a big old pussy. <laughs> oh, I, see, that's the thing. As a kid, I fucking hated that movie. As an adult, I friggin' love Jason Goes to Hell. It's so ridiculous. Yes, well, and I think, like, at the beginning when we were talking about this movie, like, Reese, like, you have to understand what you're watching, right? You, again, we mentioned this on other podcast episodes in the past, is there is a, you have to set the bar at the correct, like, entrance height. So right. we're, we're watching a movie. <laughs> the, the name of the movie is Friday the 13th, part eight. Eight, <laughs> Jason Takes Manhattan. Like, it, it might as well be called, you know, like, uh, Attack of the, you know, Aliens from the Planet tomato or something ridiculous like it's it's you know it's attacking the killer tomatoes it's uh, killer clowns matter of space like it's something ridiculous so like going into the movie i'm just expecting it to be you know to be goofy you know and right. it and i think that both this one and the next one deliver on the goofiness but they just take too fucking long to get to the good stuff right exactly <laughs> and that's that is the sin that jason x corrected because Friday the 13th Part 8 and 9, they are in the same boat as Jason X uh, of pure ridiculous. Like, we are off in fantasy land. Um, part 7 is kind of there, too, because we got a fucking telekinetic at that point. But Jason X is like, all right, you know what? Fuck all the preamble. Let's just get to the good stuff right away. And that's I think that's why Jason X works so well uh, for pretty much everybody. Whereas, uh, you know, Friday the 13th Part 9 and Friday the 13th Part 8... You know, there's some of us that were divided, obviously, like some of us love it. Some of us aren't so so much you know, fond of it, but we all enjoy the camp. We all enjoy the cheesiness factor. So Jason X, like, I want to see more of that, <laughs> you know, like, let's get to more yeah. Friday the 13th movies where it's just like, you know, hit the ground running, fucking kill fools, do crazy over the top shit, have Jason be a, a you know, an unstoppable juggernaut. Go like that's exactly fun. exactly. Yeah, that's and, and it took them the franchise several movies to like figure out the formula you know i would argue it wasn't really until part six that they realized what they really had and then they just yeah. went full-on like universal horror movie you know universal monsters with it you know it started off as a more serious horror movie i think the problem is that everyone has they kept trying to make the serious horror movie like the first one or the first even the second one yeah. you know over you guys left that seriousness uh behind like years ago you know which and I know there's a lot of fans, Mike, you included, of part three, but out of everything in the franchise, including Jason Goes to Hell, part three is my least favorite movie, probably, mm -hmm. because while it's a well-crafted movie, 
it if it fails to be both a serious horror movie like the first two, but it also fails to be like fun and over the top and tongue in cheek like yeah. every movie pretty much after it. So to me, like it doesn't it doesn't ride either side of the line well enough. And I end up just you know, I either want it to be more over the top or more scary. I don't think it really is either of those. And see, and that's totally fair. For for me, a lot of my love of that one comes mostly from nostalgia. Um, because I remember that one, particularly unmasked Jason in that one, scaring the shit out of me as a kid. And um, so, like, a lot of my, like, when I think of Jason, I usually think of the look from part three or part seven. Like, those are the two looks that really stick in my brain for Jason. Um, it, there's a lot of shit that I hate about that one. Like, I the, the 3D, holy crap, the 3D is bad. But now it's laughable. <laughs> um, but it has some of my favorite kills. Like, I love the spear gun to the eye. That's such a great kill. It is. Um, it's, oh, it's so cool. And then, like the, what's his name? Um, oh, my God, the black biker. I can't think of his fucking name. Oh, oh, I, can't, I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head either. I have, to, but, I have to look it up. Consult the bones. Where he, like, chops his arm off and he's like, ah, just screaming. There's blood splattering everywhere. Like, there's some great, great moments in that movie. But, yes, it, it, isn't, it isn't scary enough or funny enough it's just a little of both i will definitely agree there yeah and, and i like every movie in the franchise you know including freddy versus jason including the remake i like them all oh, yeah. they're all they're all great but yeah for me i think i think I, probably most fans of the franchise i don't think it's going too far to say that most people enjoy parts four through seven and maybe eight the most because yeah. that's where they figured out the formula of what Jason is to your point. Like he's the unstoppable juggernaut. He's the boogeyman, but with like a souped up engine under the hood, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly. what makes it fun. Totally agree. But, uh, so getting back to this, we have, we cut to, uh, we cut to Julius boxing, another student while a bunch of others watch and cheer, uh, including Tamara and, and Eva who are standing up, like up on the, the deck watching through a window oogling at them now the funny thing about this is uh the other student that he's boxing is in the credits as other boxer and he does have a speaking role but he he's just other boxer <laughs> no name <laughs> okay. given that's all you need to know yep so Tamara is so fucking ridiculous here she's like she goes on about looking look at julius like oh he's so muscular this that is she's like he's the only senior i'd fuck and then <laughs> this Older, like, deckhand walks by. And she's like, ooh, look, an older man. Act sensual. And she, like, flips her hair and looks like she's holding back a fart. Like, <laughs> I love her idea of being sensual. Uh, Ali, by the way, was that guy's name? Ali. Ali, thank name. you. I knew it was yeah. an A name. I, I was like, I couldn't think of it, though. Um, so Tamara and Eva go off to do some coke because it's the 80s. And <laughs> Reddy catches them like, have you seen my dog? And they're like. Uh, no, here, you want a bump? <laughs> <laughs> and Reddy continues looking for a dog. And well, we no, she she doesn't want that because she'll, she'll get uh, the good stuff later. Ex exactly. <laughs> the, the weird, mysterious Hollywood drug. <laughs> it's like glowing green liquid for some reason. <laughs> she got an it's... arm full of reagent from Reanimator. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was the ooze from the Ninja Turtles. Oh, it was New York City. It might have been. Yeah, yeah that's true. T There's a whole TCRI lot of TCRI is there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love this because Rennie walks away and 
this is creepy because she just starts walking down the hall and Jason is just kind of standing there looking at her and he walks in the other direction. It's like, ah, fuck her. I'm, I'll get her later. <laughs> just like, oh, but we get this POV shot leading to Tamara and Eva. Um, and it's like, oh, is it Jason? But of course it's not. It's Charles. He catches them after they're done doing drugs and asks them, are you two doing drugs? And they're like, no, I swear. And they drop the Coke mirror. <laughs> So, of course, Tamara and Eva think that uh, Rennie turned them in. She's and a fucking bitch narc. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's a real fucking bitch. <laughs> but I love this because he tells Tamara that he'll be by her room to check on her biology project. I'm like, it seems weird to have homework on the senior trip. Like, that never made sense to me. Like, aren't you done with the school year at this point? Yeah, right. Uh, there, there was some dialogue somewhere in there. I forget where, where they said something about how like she wasn't going to pass unless she turned in like her final project. Like he still had some control over, you know, whether oh. she actually graduated. Like so, she was able to go on the trip, but you know, it, it was contingent on you have to turn this project in or you won't graduate, and then you'll be confined to the boat or some bullshit. <laughs> I I totally missed that part. I was just like, why does she got homework? So uh, Tamara tells Eva not to worry that she has a plan for Charles. And she also wants to get back of uh, get back at Rennie because, you know, she ratted him out. And she goes, rumor has it that she's a teensy bit afraid of the water. It's like, all right. So now we cut to boxer number two in the sauna, which, you know, cracks me up. Uh, Jason makes his way in, picks up one of the sauna rocks and just shoves it into his stomach, killing him. Jason, don't give a fuck. He's <laughs> he's like a fucking what was it the honey badger. You don't give a yeah. fuck. <laughs> but as a kid, that that scene always freaked me out because I mean, like, if anyone's ever been in a sauna and like seen those big big ass rocks, like imagine like picking one of them fuckers up. Oh like, yeah, yes. this is this is definitely a good death scene. I mean, like you said before, this movie is full of great death scenes. It's there's just like shitty scenes that are connecting together a bunch of good death scenes. <laughs> right. Well, I'm assuming at this point he has no like nerves. Like he doesn't feel oh, yeah. pain. Well, plus he's all he's filled with water, so he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> and his hands are covered in like snot anyway. So that's true. <laughs> he he has like that insulated. like uh, what 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 is that eel the or like monkfish or something the that's got like a, a protective layer of slime on them. Yeah, probably the monkfish because those things are slimy as hell. Yeah. But uh, out on the deck, we see Rennie talking to Colleen, and Tamara casually walks up and is like, "Oops!" and bumps Rennie clean off the boat. <laughs> That that was such like an Adam Sandler movie moment, you know, it's so bad. But Rennie falls in the water, starts freaking out. Everyone's, you know, trying to help her. They throw a life preserver down and Rennie gets pulled under the water by a little deformed boy and begins panicking. Yeah. Now all of a sudden he's deformed. Yep. First time we saw him, not deformed. he changes every time we see him. At one yeah. point, he looks like a small Asian child. And I'm like, what, what, wait, is that a different actor? But it's not. It's just a bad wig. So she gets uh, so she gets pulled underwater. Sean jumps in and rescues her, you know, because Rennie can't swim. And then they they get her up on on deck again. Charles comes over and freaks the fuck out, telling everyone to leave her alone. He starts to lead her away, but Ralph the Revenge stops them, saying, "He's come back, and you're all gonna die." <laughs> Fuck, fucking Ralph, man! Like, there's always got to be a Ralph, you know, but. Rennie goes into the bathroom to wash her hands, which I'm like, weren't, weren't you, aren't you waterlogged? Like, go and change or something. Like, why are you just washing your hands? 
but then the water turns to blood. She freaks out and suddenly a deformed child grabs her from the mirror yelling, help me. He then disappears back into the mirror and Rennie is left alone. (laughs) It's the ghost of baby Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the one where he kind of looked like a small Asian boy. He had like the, the black wig that they had on him, like over the prosthetics didn't look right. It looked like, uh, I don't know. It looked like an Asian kid, but whatever. Um, so we cut to Tamara's room and, uh, Charles comes in to get her final project and finds her in a bathrobe with champagne. She then proceeds to try to seduce him. And I love it. Cause she, she throws her robe off to show her biology project. Well, well first, first she hands him the champagne. He said, where did you get this? Yeah. I packed it just for us. <laughs> and then she disrobes. But she, so she's got, let's paint the seat here. She's got her bra and her panties on. And she has like part of her spine, like paint, like bones are painted on. And then you have a cartoony heart and a stomach and an arrow pointing to her crotch. And she's like, have I labeled all my organs correctly? And I'm like, you just have a stomach and a heart. (laughs) There are no other organs labeled. That's why she uh, will probably end up failing if she doesn't (laughs) die. She thinks she's just bones and two organs. But I, I love Charles's reaction here because she starts like rubbing on him. He's like, hey. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't try to push her off right away, but he's he's like, you you stop that right now. <laughs> like his voice keeps oscillating. <laughs> oh man, but she throws him back on the bed and starts kissing him. Charles eventually throws her off, but it's too late. We see Wayne walking into the room with the camcorder. He recorded the makeout session. Charles flips out, telling them that they both won't get away with this. And he, and he tells Wayne, he's like, and you can forget about any film school. I'll see to it. And he storms away. So <laughs> Wayne confesses his boner to Tamara and she kicks him out. He's like, <laughs> I've had the hots for you since like eighth grade. And she's like, oh, that's great. Goodbye. <laughs> Ugh, this is just a repeat of uh, like that science fiction writer guy from part seven. Ex- exactly. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. But yes, this they're recycling characters from part seven for this. Tamara is the bitch, the blonde bitch from part seven. Reddy <laughs> is Tina. You know, this dude, Wayne, is the fucking sci-fi writer. You know, JJ, I don't know what JJ, would she be the the, the stoner equivalent? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think so. They've, or, re- yeah. they've recycled them. But, she, but JJ also had, uh, she had that really good big 80s hair, like the, like the redhead from part seven, the, the dem titties lady. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was very, um, oh my God, was that Tawny Katane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so it, Wayne walks away all dejected. And I love this though, because Jason pokes his head out of the neighboring cabin, looks over at Wayne walking away. And he's like, don't worry, little buddy. I got your back. <laughs> and just kind of goes in to kill Tamara. <laughs> so we see Tamara in the shower with zero nudity. And I'm like, this is crazy because it's a Friday the 13th shower scene with no nudity. When does that happen? <laughs> so Jason Shame. lets him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially because in the trivia, apparently the director, like, I'll talk about it now. The, the director wanted her to, to be naked and she was very, like, embarrassed to, to film naked. 
So he apparently used the trick he learned in film school. I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what it says in the trivia where he's like, look, I'll be I'll get naked on the set, too. So you're not the only naked person. So he's standing there directing the scene naked. (laughs) So it's like he's naked and she's naked. And apparently, like, part of that shot was shown to the producers who freaked the fuck out. Like, why are you getting naked with your cast? (laughs) And he had to explain, you know, so. But um, but yeah, so they did shoot the the, the shot naked. So the, the cameraman, the director, and Kane Hodder all saw her nude, but they didn't put it in the movie. So it's like, all right, that's weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jason lets himself in. Tamara sees him, and she hides in the bathroom. Jason busts through the door and throws her into the mirror, where magically she transforms into a naked stunt double. Um, <laughs> that wig was so bad. <laughs> he then grabs a shard of mirror glass and kills her. Bye-bye, Tamara. So we now cut to Admiral Robinson and his chief engineer, Jim, on the bridge talking about how how bad the storm is getting. So we don't get a third act storm here. We get a second act storm and it continues all the way through. And uh, so I I do love this scene, though, because there's there's a great shot again of Jason pulling a harpoon off the wall. Also very creep show. And the admiral's like, you know what, Jim, don't push your son too hard. Like basically feeling bad that he screwed up with his kid. And uh, he asks Jim to take the helm and he steps out for a minute. And this is this is the shot I'm talking about. We get this fantastic shot of Jason sneaking into the cabin behind the behind Jim holding the harpoon. And it's like green lighting and it's it's viewed through the windshield where there's like rainwater coming down. It's all blurry. It's just a really cool shot of Jason creeping up on somebody. And then he fucking harpoons the dude and like he died. Like it's almost all in silence. Just the rainwater. Like ah, very well done. So yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the cooler scenes. Um, so yeah, bye bye Jim. <laughs> then Admiral Robertson, Robertson comes back to find Jim dead. Jason sneaks up behind him and cuts his throat in slow motion. Now we see uh, Sean and Rennie making their way to the bridge. She wants to get off the boat. So he's suggesting that they call the coast guard for her. Uh, they get to the, the bridge and find Sean's dad dead. And, you know, of course, Sean freaks the fuck out. He gets on the intercom, calls everyone to the bridge and tells them it's an emergency. Sean tries to get the Coast Guard for help. Uh, The others show up, find the bodies and realize why Sean called them there. Sean gets through to the Coast Guard. But before he can do anything, Jason cuts the power to the radio. So no, no help is coming. And now uh, Ralph rides again, shows up and tells them (laughs) you're all going to die. You're the last ones. He's come back for you. I'm like, wait. Is he Freddy now? Is this the last <laughs> of the Crystal Lake children? <laughs> like, well, because Charles goes, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, Jason Voorhees. And Charles goes, you're insane. Jason Voorhees has been dead for years. And he goes, he came down the river. He's gotten on board. He walks this ship here and now. I was laughing through that entire scene. <laughs> like, it's so It's such great dialogue. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense though. Like the last ones of what? Like he doesn't explain. Like the, the last ones on the boat. I mean, they're not. We haven't we haven't seen that yet. And right. the last ones, like I said, yeah, the Crystal Lake. But like 
about who? Jason didn't give a shit about like generational sins and bullshit <laughs> like Trip Freddy did. Like I killed the children of all the people who killed me. Like Jason's just killing anybody. Like, he doesn't give a fuck, you know. Right. He already killed everybody in in Crystal Lake. Now he's like going on to like uh you know uh, um, uh more stomping grounds because he killed everybody back at home. Right. That's why I was like, is the last of the Crystal Lake children? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what the hell's going on? I feel like at this point they were trying to be like, how can we work Freddy into the Jason mythos? Oh, man. It's just, yeah, it's it's dumb. But Charles gets pissed and accuses son of Ralph of being the killer. He grabs a knife and Ralph tells him, you're the one that's insane and scampers off. So Julius proposes they regroup and hunt down whoever the killer is. Charles gets pissed, telling him that he, he shall do no such thing. I am in charge here. This is one of the best scenes in the movie. Julius gets this look on his face and leans in toward Charles and goes, school is out, McCullough. Okay. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> laugh every time. He's got that right. swagger. He says it. School's out, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Oh, man. So Julius and the others head off to find Jason or, you know, Ralph, one or the other. Um, <laughs> Jason or Ralph. <laughs> Either one of them are on the chopping block. But uh, Charles asks Sean and uh, uh, asks Sean where Rennie is, and he tells her that she's dropping the anchors. Cut to Rennie out in the rain looking to drop the anchors while Jason watches her from the shadows. Rennie gets to the controls, but Charles stops her, telling her that dropping an anchor in the middle of a storm makes absolutely no sense. Now, I looked this up just because I was curious. Like, is that a thing? I couldn't find anything that was like, you know, if you're trapped in a storm, throw down anchor. I saw people saying, like, if you have to anchor in a storm, use two anchors. So the idea that she would be dropping multiple anchors makes sense. But why would you just drop an anchor in the middle of the storm? Because remember, he said that he thought it'd be easier for the Coast Guard to find him if they were stopped in that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed that part. Okay, that makes sense then. Because that, that bugged the shit out of me. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, meanwhile. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> you wouldn't know that. Was it? I, <laughs> I only know that because I watched the deleted scenes. Uh, part eight has deleted scenes. Oh! <laughs> I was like, I must have missed that. Okay. No, so that you didn't. I was watching deleted scenes. Yeah. He said he, because <laughs> Sean thought it'd be easier for them to spot the Coast Guard to spot him if they were stopped in the middle instead of moving. I mean, see, now, why didn't But they you wouldn't in? know that unless you watch the deleted scenes on the DVD. Right. Like, why did they keep that in? That would have made more sense. Well, yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. Because this shit in the boat is long enough. Let's hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, meanwhile, uh, Eva finds Tamara's corpse and freaks the fuck out. She runs out into the hall, and boom, Jason is just standing there. Again. Freaks the fuck out again. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a genuinely creepy shot. Like, she comes out, and he's just fully lit hallway. Jason's standing there at the end of the hall, just staring her down. Like, fuck you. Like, yeah, I love that one. So, uh, <laughs> she... She uh, you know, runs down to the ballroom with plenty of music and flashing lights, and we get this great spinning shot of the circular room, and then, boom, Jason busts through the door. Eva tries to escape. All the doors are locked. And now, th Jason is like a fucking ghost in the scene. This is where we first get Jason teleports. 
Because everywhere she looks, he's already there. And then he's gone, only to reappear again. And then gone. And then he reappears right behind her and kills her. Or he chokes her the fuck out. (laughs) So it's like, all right, he's teleporting. Jason's magic in this point. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that scene uh, with the Chamber of Mirrors and Conan the Destroyer, right? Yes! (laughs) Oh, my God. That scene, okay, am I the only one here that that scene used to scare the shit out of me? Oh, hell yeah, dude. (laughs) That's that's, that, and that's probably why, like this scene here, where where, uh, where Kelly Yu gets it, is probably the best death scene on the boat. Maybe not yeah. like the best, the, not the best way that Jason kills somebody because he just chokes her, which is like a little bit boring. But yeah, the whole setup, the whole scene, the lighting and the music and the spinning camera and the mirrors, like it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's 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 a good scene. It's very memorable. But uh, we cut to Julius and the guys arming themselves, and I love it because they're like, "What are you taking, Julius?" And he goes, "Nothing." And he slowly picks up a gun. He goes, but this gun. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking any of the weapons except I'm taking this one. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I will give it to you. Julius is a likable character. <laughs> he's a dick, but he's a likable character. Like I said, I wouldn't want to be his friend, but man, he's fucking cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, we see Wayne down in the power room looking for J.J., he gets blasted with steam and loses his glasses because, of course, he does. He's got to he's got to be the Velma in this movie. And uh, <laughs> right. so now he can't see shit and a blurry someone pops up and he just shoots him. He slowly makes his way over to him using his camera to see. And we see that it's the random deckhand that uh, Tamara and Eva were trying desperately to flirt with earlier in the movie. But he's killed him. So while looking at the body, Jason steps into frame. And I love this because he pans up and we just see Jason standing right there. And he smacks the camera out of Wayne's hand like, get that fucking out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> so Wayne takes off running and trips over dead JJ. Jason grabs him and throws him into some equipment where he's both electrocuted and set on fire. <laughs> I feel like this was a common way to kill somebody in like movies in the eighties too. Like just oh, yeah. somehow, somehow there's, there, there's a whole bank of like electronic uh, devices or like uh, transformers or something. You just throw somebody in like uh, in the fucking lost boys when they just blew the shit out of Dwayne with death by stereo. You know, yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing that happens like fucking commando uh, in like the plenty of Arnie movies where people are thrown into electronics. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's, that really is a common. I mean, hell, that's how they win in uh, was it Return of the Living Dead two? <clears throat> they electrocute all of the zombies by by using the the transformers at the power company. <laughs> yeah, which you know, side note, I think that's one of the best ways to stop like a zombie plague or a zombie horde in a movie. I always really like the fact that oh yeah, you just electrocute them right because yeah, they're some they're somehow alive through some kind of uh, something is driving these like dead bodies. Like, you know, I've, some zombie movies have tried to explain it away. Like it's, Oh, it's, you know, leftover electronic impulses or sorry, electric impulses or something in their body, you know, it's keeping them moving. And, uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was kind of cool that it's just like, yeah, just overload them with, uh, you know, electricity is a, I thought it was a cool way to stop a, a zombie. Oh, uh, totally. Agree. You don't, you don't get, you don't get to see that too often. Cause usually it's just like, you know, blowing them up or burning them or something. I was just annoyed that it was in Return of the Living Dead because in the first one, they were like, you can't kill what's already dead. So they never stop coming. And that was like such a terrifying concept. And then in part three or part two, it was like you electrocute him. In part three, it was like you have to freeze him. By part four, if you kung fu chopped him in the neck, they died. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but that's one of those franchises where like they were just 
kind of starting over. It's almost like it's almost like uh, Evil Dead. Like they just kind of start over every time and yep. just make up new rules. And it's like a even the genre changes. Like yeah. just, you know whatever. Like the continuity from movie to movie is kind of funky. Agreed. But uh, so yeah, so we we get Wayne gets electrocuted and set on fire. So Sean gets the ship back on course, but then <laughs> Sean, Jason... Sean shit on who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but just then, Jason, seeing the fire caused by Fried Wayne, sets off the alarm to alert the, to alert the other passengers to get to safety. Why does Jason set off the fire alarm? To make him easier to find, so he can kill them all. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Jason's now using technology? <laughs> that was It's so supernatural. Weird. Exactly. It was the ghost of the little kid telling him to do it. But uh, on the bridge, Sean, Charles, and Colleen hear the alarm. Charles thinks it's Ralph trying to cause a panic. So he gets to flare gun and decides he's going to go kill him because that's rational. Uh, so we get a montage of the fire spreading. On the deck, we see Miles and Julius still hunting for Jason. Jason pops out and goes after Miles. I love this scene because once again, Jason is way too fucking fast. He knocks the axe that Miles is carrying out of his hands. Miles climbs down to the lower deck, runs to a different section, goes up the stairs, and boom, Jason is already there. Like, how the fuck did he get there that fast? Parkour! So, exactly. <laughs> so that Miles just decides, I'm going to go up the mast, because apparently Jason can't climb. So he climbs up the mast, and Jason just climbs up right after him and fucking throws him down to be impaled on some pipes. So, bye-bye, Miles. So Julius is still poking around in the deck looking for Jason, but surprise, Jason grabs him and hucks him overboard. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> he doesn't kill him. He's just like, bye, you're off the boat. So we cut to Rennie in her room and one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie. We see the, the ghostly deformed boy in her room and then boom, Jason headbutts through the window and grabs her by the throat. I fucking love that scene where it's like, oh. he's like half in that portal, just like choking her out. Oh, it's so fucking creepy. Love it. But uh, she struggles and grabs Chekhov's pen and stabs him in the eye, forcing him to let go of her. And again, great scene. We see Jason pull the pen out of his eye and just fucking like lake water run out. It's yeah. yeah. I love how he like leans up against the wall like, oh, this fucking bitch. <laughs> right. Fucking right in the eye again. Damn it. Like I just regenerated those. Exactly. He's just like, God damn it. I'm going to Cyclops forever. <laughs> and it's always the same eye. It's like, it's like picking a scab. Like, could you just let it heal, please? <laughs> so Sean comes and gets ready out of her room. We cut to the power room where we see the fire spreading, causing explosions. We see Colleen gathering the other students and telling them to wait in the restaurant. Meanwhile, Jason is peeping at them through the window. Uh, then we go over to Charles, who's walking through the kitchen looking for Ralph. Suddenly, Ralph slams into him, knocking him over. We see that Ralph has a knife, and then he scurries out of the room. Uh, we see the boat is now taking on water due to the damage in the power room. Sean and Rennie are making their way back to the deck after almost getting washed away by the rush of water coming in. And they meet Charles and Colleen. Sean tells them that they need to get off the boat. Colleen tells them she already lowered the lifeboat and they need to get back to the restaurant to get to the others. And Sean dramatically yells, there is no restaurant. So yeah, all those other nameless students, they're dead now. They died off screen. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of those things I never realized when I was a kid because you know you just kind of take the movie at face value, just like with the weird like you know ghost of uh, of baby Jason. But <laughs> right. like 
Like, I just always assumed it was the characters that we've met so far. So there's maybe like a dozen students, you know, 20 tops and, you know, a, a handful of crew members. But like, this is a big fucking boat. First of all, right. like you can't you can't operate a boat like this with like five people working. Also, it's a, that's a really, really expensive, you know, mode of transportation for like a dozen people. <laughs> right. So like, there clearly, clearly would have been like the entire graduating class. Right. Even and granted, they're from a small town. Like my wife went to a small town where the graduating class was like 12 people. So right. like, it could have been a small number. But yeah, not for this big giant boat. So there must have been, I'm going to say at least 40 to 50 people, like absolute bare minimum. And yeah, Jason, that's why he he pulled the fire alarm because he was just like, this is taking too fucking long. I got to get them all to scurry out in the hallway so I can just swipe him down like Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. (laughs) I just love the fact that like the other students, like, I, I, I have to question this. Did Jason get them before the boat filled with water? Or did they just go down with the ship like the band on the Titanic? Like, were they just like, oh, there's water filling in the room. I guess we're dead now. (laughs) (laughs) They're all laying in their rooms like that, like that old couple that just went down with the Titanic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just cuddling in the bed, knowing this is the end. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Or maybe Jason just killed everybody else. And what we saw was the end of his, you know, his massacre, his reign of terror. Like he Ah. ended... With like, you know, Tamara and JJ and all of them, you know, whoever he started with, like, that was just, you know, he was just getting the stragglers because they were like, what the fuck are you doing down in the boiler room, JJ? Jesus, like, I was looking for you in your dorm, you know? <laughs> right. That I like, I like that theory. He's already gone through all the deckhands and all the, the engineers and whatnot. <laughs> but so Ralph the Revenge pops up holding the knife and Charles goes to shoot him with the flare gun, but it's jammed. Ralph gurgles and falls over, and we see there's an axe in his back. Rennie, Sean, Charles, and Colleen, and oh, and Rennie's dog, climb off the boat into the lifeboat, and we see Jason just standing on the deck watching them go. As they attempt to row, which is comical as hell, because Charles is going one way and Sean's going the other, (laughs) we see Jason is gone and then cut to a POV shot in the water coming up to the boat. Suddenly, we get a Julius jump scare where he jumps on the boat with him. And then the group row away. <laughs> now, at an hour and three minutes into the movie, the group finally arrives in New York City. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and Charles is such a cocksucker this whole time because he's like, oh, do you know where we're going? As he's just leaning back and letting Sean and, and forget Julius do all the work. Oh, what a douchebag. So they, they dock and go looking for help. Suddenly, Jason pops up out of the fucking water. So he just swam to New York City. He's like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm going for a swim. Because he was so afraid of water that he was like, you know, I'm just going to take a little swim, you know, across yeah. fucking Hudson Bay or whatever the hell, you I'm, know. I'm going to take a cue out of Rennie's book and get over my fear of water. Oh. How the fuck did he swim? <laughs> well, maybe he, he wasn't swimming. What? Maybe that's maybe that's why it was so hard for uh, for Julius and what's-his-face, Mr. Milktoast, to row because uh, Jason was just hanging off the bottom of the raft like, hee <laughs> Like, like... Not the fact that he, he's afraid of water, but the fact is he drowned because he didn't know how to swim. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, you're t- so you're telling me in death he learned how to swim? You know what it was? He pulled a, he pulled a Pirates of the Caribbean. He was just walking on the bottom of the water. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
We've seen him walk into a lake that way. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm convinced he was just hanging off the bottom of the raft all like, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> just hitching a ride. Uh, but I, I love this. This this scene is great. It's such a dumb joke, but it cracks me up every time where Jason gets out of the, the water, climbs up into the streets of New York and sees the billboard for Eastern Hockey League. And it's just basically a big Jason face. <laughs> he gives up the confused dog head tilt. It's such a dumb joke, but man, I laugh every time. So while looking for help, Rennie and the others are mugged by some Hollywood stereotypes because, you know, of course they are. They take their money and jewelry, and one of them shoots, goes to shoot, ugh, goes to shoot Rennie's dog, but she stops him, and then he decides that she looks like a party girl, and grabs her and tells everybody else that if they follow her or they follow them, they'll kill her. <laughs> so Julius wants to chase after him, but Charles flips out, going, "Oh, we'll kill her," and suggests that they split up and find the cops. So we cut to Rennie and the gangbangers in Crackhead Alley. They decide to shoot her up with generic Hollywood drug number five so they can rape her. Or or ooze. Yes. Or or TMNT ooze uh, or uh, animator reagent. One or the other. I like but, the ooze. ooze. <laughs> That's a funny word to say. Ooze. It really is. <laughs> but I, I love this because the possibility, because there's drugs and the possibility of sex, it calls to Jason like a fucking siren song. Jason shows up just like picks up the discarded syringe and then before gangbanger number two can do anything to Rennie, he stabs her through the back and out the chest with the syringe. Like that needle stayed intact. I was, see, I told you Jason is the hero of this movie. <laughs> oh, he totally is. Totally is. <laughs> and I love it because gangbanger number one shows up. <laughs> He's like, well, cause I'm sorry. I, I, I did skip a part. Once he shoots her up with the drugs, He's like, hey, we're going to need more of this to have fun all night. And he's like, all right, I'll go get some more. And he comes back and he's like, hey, man, I forgot the money. So he was going to go buy more, <laughs> you know, Ninja Turtle ooze. And uh, rather than running from the giant oozing swamp monster in the hockey mask that just killed his friend, he's like, hey, fuck you. And starts <laughs> shooting him. Hey, man, this is New York. <laughs> exactly. And Jason is obviously not affected by the bullets. And why does the dude start walking toward him when this happens? Like, your your gun isn't working, so you take a step closer and shoot again, and take a step closer and shoot again. Like, why are you getting close? <laughs> I know, right? Run away, man, run away. <laughs> so Jason grabs him and slams his head into a steam pipe, killing him. And then Freddy gets up and runs away from Jason as he's watching her like, you fucking ungrateful jerk, I just saved you. Right? <laughs> Oh, man. So we cut to Julius running up to a phone booth and trying to call the cops, but Jason busts through and tries to grab him. <laughs> so Julius takes off running, climbs up a fire escape to the rooftop, and finds himself trapped as Jason comes up after him. So he <laughs> decides he's going to box Jason in one of the best Friday the 13th moments ever. Dude oh, is fucking <laughs> punching a hockey mask barefisted. <laughs> Like, you know how much this shit would hurt? Fuck yeah, dude. And his, his knuckles get bloody as shit, too. Right. <laughs> and he just keeps going. It's like five minutes long. He's And fucking Jason Ropadopes him. He's yeah. like... <laughs> okay. Yeah. First of all, he... Okay, I got something to say. Go for it. Those old hockey masks... Mm-hmm. 
could withstand hockey pucks, frozen yep. hockey pucks. This guy would have broke his hand in probably 20 different places. Yep. If he were punching them. And you're telling me he didn't break what well, I know he had bloody knuckles, but he would have broken every <laughs> single bone in his hand. Yep. <laughs> it just shows you how badass Julius is. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's what I, I do love the fact that Jason uses the rope a dope. Like that cracks me up every time. He's like, okay, wear yourself out. Come on, keep hitting me. I can take it. <laughs> like, so when Julius finally is like, he can't he can't take it anymore. Like he swings and he misses. He's like, take your best shot, motherfucker. (laughs) Grabs him and punches his head clean off. Oh, that that fake head was so bad looking. (laughs) Oh, it was, but that punch was fan-fucking-tastic. Oh, yeah. It was worth the the bad special effect. (laughs) The worst part is, you know, I bought the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. You know, the special edition Blu-ray. Yep. So it it looks even even more fake in Blu-ray. Oh yeah, when you when you up the fidelity on any of these old movies, the cracks really show. <laughs> but I love it because his head flies off. We get the spinning camera POV shot, and it lands in a dumpster. It, it fucking perfection. Like oh, that scene, is, it's so good. That's I will I will go on record as saying like that's right up behind the sleeping bag kills for me. I mean, oh yeah, Jason. Oh. I would say part seven and part ten, the sleeping bag kills are two of my favorites, but this is damn close. What are you gonna yep. say, Maurice? That is one of the best kills. Oh yeah. It it's fantastic. <laughs> but I, I I have questions about where his head lands, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, and th- and this this whole sequence where they finally get to, you know, Vancouver as New York <laughs> is right. like this is where the movie gets good. You know, I, at the beginning I had mentioned it, I don't know, the last 15 minutes or whatever, because I, I didn't know exactly. But really, it's like 30 plus uh, minutes of the movie. And like not every minute in that 30 plus is, you know, worth our time. But right. yeah, I, I didn't say it before. But yeah, when Jason gets out of the water and does the little, you know, the puppy dog tilt when he sees the picture of the hockey mask <laughs> up on the billboard and turns around, that's when the movie starts. That's it. That's yes. the beginning of the movie. And now it's finally Jason takes Manhattan. And, and that's the thing, like, it, it's such a shame that they wasted all that time on the fucking boat, because if there was a lot more of this stuff, this movie would have been memorable as fuck. But instead, yeah. we got what we got. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I would have had Jason kill a bunch of people. I, I would have put a whole lot more people on the boat, right, the whole graduating class, had Jason kill, like, a whole bunch of them, and then just, like, cut to the the boat is on fire and sinking, and there's, like, six survivors left in a life raft, like, rowing away as fast as possible, and just yep. leave, the, leave the viewers to put the pieces together of, like, Jason just went ape shit on that whole fucking boat. <laughs> <laughs> just they, wrecked it. They could have done that in 20 minutes and got to New York and been going down some creepy alleyways. Oh, would have been so much better. <laughs> but So uh, we see drugged out Rennie staggering throughout the alleyways and she finds, uh, until, until Sean finds her and they take off to look for the others. Now we cut to Colleen walking down an alleyway and we get a cop jump scare where he's like, freeze! <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> It reminded me of the cop in Return of the Living Dead. He was like, freeze or I'll blow your fucking brains out. <laughs> like it's just, he had that same energy. But she's then, with me. Yeah, Charles. No, no, she's with me. <laughs> and uh, Sean and Rennie meet up with them. So we get Charles, Colleen, the cop, Sean and Rennie, you know, all walking away. Sean tries to convince Charles that, that Jason is really out there, that Rennie saw him. 
And of course, he doesn't believe any of it because he's a douchebag. So the cop gets them in the car and Charles comments on how they, they need to find Julius. The cop goes to get in the car. And when he does, he, the lights turn on and we see Julius's head in the car. <laughs> Now, how did he get from the dumpster to the car? J- Jason teleported. He went and got it out of the dumpster and then did the, the Scooby-Doo <laughs> sneak over the... <laughs> and put it in the- <laughs> oh, okay, I'll allow it. Because we know, we know that Jason likes to decorate. You know, he yes. likes to hang the bodies up. He likes, you know, he tries at this angle and that angle. He really likes to put stuff up on the walls and, you know, make a statement. <laughs> and then, of course, the cop freaks out and goes to call for backup. And Jason jumps out of the alleyway like, you son of a bitch, that was a present. I was doing it for you. (laughs) (laughs) He ran his ass off to get that cop. He really did. And I love it because he he drags him out into the alley and the cop never lets go of the microphone. (laughs) It just snaps. He looked like Jason from Bob Part 2. Yeah, he he moved fast. (laughs) So Reddy jumps into the front seat of the car. And now she sees Jason standing a ways up the alley looking at them. So again, he teleported. She closes the door and drives straight at him, hitting him, sending him tumbling off the car. (laughs) She drives away and then sees deformed waterlogged boy in jittery (laughs) slow-mo. She ends up crashing the car into a wall with a nice mini explosion, which then there'll be more in a minute. Um, (laughs) But somehow they're all fine. Sean helps Rennie out of the car, and they open the back door, letting Charles out, who runs for safety himself, leaving Colleen. The car then blows up for real reels with Colleen in it. (laughs) So, (laughs) bye-bye, Colleen. Now, Rennie stares at the burning car and then down at a puddle that's also on fire, and and she gets her flashback. Now, this, I I will say this was cool cinematography, because she's looking down at the puddle that's on fire, and we see, like, a tiny little rowboat like entering frame in the puddle, like it's Camp Crystal Lake. And then we zoom in on the rowboat. Yeah, that was cool. We finally get to see the hell of of Rennie's trauma. So we see young Rennie and Uncle Charles on the boat at Crystal Lake. Charles tells her she needs to learn how to swim or she'll end up like that poor Voorhees boy who drowned in this very lake and is still at the bottom to this day. I got questions, but we'll get there in a second. (laughs) Rennie doesn't believe him. and And he goes, well, let's find out and shoves her in. He watches as Rennie struggles and mocks her that Jason is going to pull her down. Suddenly, baby Jason yanks her underwater, (laughs) scaring the bejesus out of her. Now, okay, let's pretend that Rennie was eight when this happened. Just just, pretend roughly eight. That would place this happening at about 1988, meaning that part two through four already fucking happened. The world (laughs) knew about Jason the grown-ass man who murdered the fuckload of campers, forcing the entire town to change their name to Forest Green. If Charles lived there, why wouldn't he know? I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless Jason just became, he became like, you know, a boogeyman, but in this time in the sense of, like, people tell their kids, like, oh, you better eat your vegetables or Jason will get you. You, know? <laughs> you better learn how to swim or Jason will pull you down. There's drowning boys in Crystal Lake with no broccoli. Now eat your broccoli, damn it. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say the writer of the movie did not do his homework. He no. probably didn't know that uh, this part takes place years, years ahead. That's that's probably true. He was probably like, oh, yeah, well, the other one came out in like 87 and 86. And yeah, we're good. <laughs> Not realizing this was supposed to take place in 1998. <laughs> it's like, uh. <laughs> so Rennie realizes what Charles did to her. 
She said, I was drowning. He's like, but I saved you. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, but you pushed me in the water. And she tells him that Jason was really down there and storms off. Sean shoves Charles into some shredded newspaper and tells him, you stay away from her. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason wakes up and comes for Charles. So Charles finally sees that Jason is real. And he runs away from Jason and hides in a building that somehow Jason's spooky deadite powers already teleported him into. Because <laughs> Jason was behind him. Charles runs into this building, goes up to the second floor, and then is thrown back out the window by Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what doesn't make sense about that? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Jason comes down, grabs Charles, and shoves him into a conveniently placed barrel of God only knows what to drown him in. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that was one of the restaurant's uh, ways of making soup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was oh. where the rat was swimming in the opening montage. Yeah, oh, that weird. It's like it's full. It's full of like you know, uh, like deep fry grease or something. Like and hobo so... pee. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, this is an, it's, a, it's an '80s movie, so it should have turned him into a superhero or something. <laughs> right. I was gonna say it should have been a toxic waste barrel. He should have come back as like you know Jason Part Two. But uh, meanwhile, Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. Or or Toxic Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. This uh, Yeah, we could have had that Toxic Avenger crossover. <laughs> I, you know Lloyd Kaufman would have been all about it. <laughs> so, uh, we, we see, me, meanwhile, uh, Sean and Rennie, um, yeah, meanwhile, Sean finds Rennie hanging out on an alley couch. She's just, like, sitting on a couch in the alleyway. And she gives her sad backstory to Sean about how her parents died in a car accident and, you know, how her uncle had to raise her. And she's like, it seems like everyone I care about I lose. And Sean decides that now is the perfect time to try to get some. He's like, that's not going to happen this time. And he gives her a smooch. <laughs> <laughs> but the kissy face calls to Jason, who suddenly plows through a stack of boxes like the fucking Kool-Aid man. And Rennie and Sean beat feet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because he just busts through those boxes like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> his uh his 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 teenage uh, philandering sense was tingling <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so they head into the subway station to get on a train jason just walks through the doors like yeah he's got no time for doors he just walks <laughs> through them <laughs> they they relax uh for a moment thinking you know they they escaped and Reddy looks over and sees Jason peering at them through the window in another, in, from the other train, which is just a great shot. So now they're trapped on a subway train with Jason. Reddy nice. and Sean go running, uh, running toward the other end of the train while Jason just calmly walks, you know, walks there, plowing through anyone in his path. Like, I love he just shoves that one blonde lady. Like, get the fuck out of my way. Exactly. But like you said before, like he's not killing any of these people. Like you think he no. would be, you know, he'd be like in hog heaven. Like, oh shit, where do I start? You know, like <laughs> it's a smorgasbord. Choke you, you know, twist your head around, behead you. He's like, fuck, where's my machete when I need it? <laughs> right. And that's, they totally could have done that. But instead they, they settled on because it's New York. Everyone's like, eh, whatever. You know, <laughs> like crazy swamp monster in a hockey mask. I've seen more. You know, it's like, Yep. We have alligators in the sewer. Exactly. <laughs> I've seen Ninja Turtles and Chuds. What the fuck? Who do I care? <laughs> but Rennie screams for help. But, you know, those wacky New Yorkers, they just don't even pay attention. 
Sean pulls the emergency brake, sending Jason flying back. And I love this. Jason gets up pissed. Like he, Jason doesn't ever speak, but you can tell when he's mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He stands up like you motherfucker. You made me fall. Exactly. (laughs) You get one. (laughs) He looks so bad. That's when he showed up on his killing spree and just started murdering everyone on the train. (laughs) Right, and I love it because all the New Yorkers are like, hey, this ain't my stop. Why are we stopping? Right. <laughs> but Sean and, and Rennie jump, you know, jump off the train and take off. So Jason follows them. And then Sean jumps from off camera, knocking Jason onto the third rail and electrocuting him. Sean and Rennie leave, thinking they finally defeated Jason, who's just laying there smoking. And they head out of the subway into the big city. Now, I'm going to post this on Facebook. But did you guys notice the weird shifty-eyed flasher dude? No. There, there's no. like an old man in like a black overcoat holding his coat closed and he has bare legs and like flip-flops. What? He, yes, he walks I, I, in fact, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to send you the picture right now. I did uh so patrons enjoy this little pause as I find this photo and send it to both of my my co-hosts here. Um huh. because I had to take this photo. I'm like, that is the weirdest shit. <laughs> no, oh, I'm sorry. It's not flip-flops. He's got sneakers on, but he's got bare-ass bare legs. Uh, okay. That's weird. Hang on. It. Of course, the moment you said that, like, I, I was at that scene. I'm following along uh, on my uh, my screen here, and I paused it right when you said that, and then the freaking uh, browser crashed. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. <laughs> like, um, I was right there. I'm sending it over now. Yeah that's, that's, the... yeah, that's literally where I paused it too. Oh, that's good. That dude's creepy. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I'm like, <laughs> is he a flasher? <laughs> and there's like the dude behind him looking down, like, why ain't you got no pants on, bro? It's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy, white man. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, this is like that, and I, I I talked about it on Night of the Living Dead, where there's like that one background character where you're like, wait, what? Like, there's that one old man zombie in Night of the Living Dead that when uh, Ben is swinging the torch, he's like, no! He makes that really <laughs> funny face. It's like, I love you looking think, at the background characters. You think they were just recording, like, just random people? Probably. Yeah, I think so. I don't <laughs> think these were, like, hired extras. Random flasher walks by. <laughs> I've never noticed that. So, okay. I had to I had to point that out. So so listeners, I will be posting that on Facebook when this episode <laughs> is up, just so people can can know what I'm talking about in this scene. Yeah, I but, never would have noticed him. Okay, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's walking all creepy too. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> that guy walks behind him, he bumps into him a little bit, and he's like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he looks down, it's like Where you your pants? No pants on. <laughs> Where <are> your pants? <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love all the I love all the old like uh, the the signs and advertisements though all over Times Square. Oh yeah, uh, it's a old freaking co- Coke ads and freaking Kodak the, camera. The time capsule for sure. There's a Foster's beer. Yep. <laughs> Crown Royal whiskey. Damn. <laughs> so they they walk along the street, at, you know, looking at the sights, and suddenly Jason steps into frame behind them. Now I love this next shot. Because Rennie turns and sees Jason just standing amidst the crowd with them. And it's like, it, that's, that is a creepy shot where he's like, he is surrounded by possible fodder and he is not distracted at all. He's still coming after you. 
So Sean and Rennie go running, screaming, you know, screaming for help and pass by a generic uh, Hollywood gang of street toughs with the boombox. This is that scene. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I had to write down the lyrics. The song they're listening to says, I feel living in the city ain't no big deal. You got to have a heart made of U.S. steel. If the crack don't get you, then the hookers will. <laughs> Pure poetry. <laughs> So Jason walks by, boots their boombox. So, of course, they pull out <laughs> knives and chains on him, you know, as you do. And the guy goes, you dead meat slime bag. And Jason just turns and lifts his mask and like, yo, it's cool, man. And they run away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you that know that awesome. that was a trailer moment. That was totally one of those moments in the <laughs> trailer. Oh, yeah. This is, it's one of the best scenes in the, in the fucking movie. Yeah, right up there with Julius getting his head punched off. Like, this scene, like, makes... It makes this whole sequence in New York. Like, that's exactly what you want to see. Exactly. So Sean and Rennie run into a diner asking to call the police. And they go... I love this back and forth. There's a payphone in the back, but it's broke. They're like, you don't understand. There's a maniac trying to kill us. Welcome to New York. <laughs> I was like, could they drive home the fact that New Yorkers just don't give a fuck a little more? Right. Like, I don't think we got it yet. And so suddenly Jason breaks through the doors again, because fuck doors. And <laughs> Reddy and Sean continue to run away as the giant cook comes over to give Jason what for, but gets thrown across the room by Jason. I was like, fun fact, that's Ken Kissinger, the guy from Freddy vs. Jason that plays Jason. Ken yeah. Hodder's replacement. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was in this because he was like, because wasn't Kane Hodder still like one of the stunt coordinators in this movie too? And, that, and yep. Ken was like on his crew yep. or something. Like he was like one of his guys. Yeah, he was one of the stunt doubles for Jason. Yeah. And so, because, you know, once you have a principal actor, like even though, you know, uh, uh, Kane Hodder is, you know, a stunt, like a known stuntman in Hollywood and stunt coordinator, because he was one of their principal actors, it's like, oh, no, no, you can only do certain stunts yourself. Yeah. So you have to have a double. But uh, Jason slowly makes his way after Rennie and Sean. And we see the the waitress kind of watching him while chewing her bubble gum. <laughs> like, like, oh, he is scary. Then we see Rennie and Sean run into a dead end. Jason corners them and they head into the sewers with the chuds and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but uh, Sean and Rennie run, run into a random worker down in the sewers who tells them, we need to get out of here. The sewers flood with toxic waste every night at midnight. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, fun, what? Fun fact, not true. <laughs> right. Like, don't get me wrong. I love this part of the movie, but, but what? I'm sorry. So he tells it was the me, 80s. Right, we were just flushing toxic waste all the time. I mean, how, how else are we going to get Captain Planet and Toxic Avenger? <laughs> that's how we cleaned out the sewers of all the poop. We just flushed in toxic waste. You know, and it cleaned everything out. So we're, we're good. If they really wanted to talk about flush toxic waste, they were, would have recorded in Niagara Falls. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that I would believe. <laughs> yeah. Why has no horror movie been made here about toxic waste? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I feel like it's because is... we're living one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just feel like Lloyd Kaufman, when he was here doing uh, the... Return to Newcomb High, he should have been like, you know what? <laughs> Let's make a new Toxic Avenger. <laughs> but, so they like, I love it. He goes, we have less than 10 minutes. So they calmly walk toward <coughs> the exit. Why the fuck aren't you running? I like, thought it was, a, I thought it was a nice brisk walk. 
<laughs> I would have been hauling ass if they're like, look, you got 10 minutes until this place floods with toxic waste. I'm like, fuck you. I'm out. Like <laughs> Greased lightning. But suddenly Jason pops out and gets the maintenance guy and we get the shadow monkey wrench murder where we see the, the murder in, in shadows and the blood just spatters the wall. But Sean gets knocked out in the process because he's a bitch. And uh, Jason goes to kill him, but Rennie shines a flashlight on him, you know, distracting him. She goes, you didn't get me in the lake and you're not going to get me now. And she runs away. <laughs> and Jason calmly follows. Now, she finds a conveniently placed plastic bucket of toxic waste. Plastic. Plastic, plastic bucket <laughs> of toxic waste, which she pries open with her hands without burning herself. Yep. And then... Melting her hands off. And, and keep keep mind plastic again. <laughs> I'm just going to reiterate plastic. She then throws the bucket of toxic waste on Jason, uh, who begins screeching like Godzilla, like you said, <laughs> and pulls off his mask, which is smoking. Like his mask was affected by the toxic waste. Yep. But the plastic bucket that it came from was not. So, yeah, again, uh, I think you explained it perfectly. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Here, okay, here's the problem. Why the fuck is there a plastic bucket of toxic waste lying around in the sewer? <laughs> and I, I do love the, like, as much as it doesn't make sense, when he takes his mask off, he is like, Rah! like he has the Godzilla screech. <laughs> but does, it's so awesome. His soggy face is so fucking creepy looking. So gross. Oh, man. So Rennie runs to get Sean, where we see uh, Jason staggering behind them. And this scene is pretty creepy because we see the long... Drunk Jason. Yeah, but you know what it reminded me of is... um, What's his nuts in RoboCop? Emil. Emil, thank you. When he's, like, staggering down that, like, alley between the two buildings, all melty and, like, he's bumping into shit. Like, it was very much like that. Help me! (laughs) (laughs) Jason's like leaning on the wall, staggering, making Godzilla screeches. (laughs) But she forces Sean to get up and go climb this ladder toward an exit. She tries to follow, but they're trapped. The hatch won't open. Jason grabs Rennie's leg, trying to pull her down. When suddenly the floodgates open and the toxic waste comes rushing toward them. We hear a little (laughs) boy going, Mommy, don't let me drown. As Jason pukes (laughs) up river water or lake water. (laughs) Okay, how the fuck... Does that make sense? Yeah, I put in parentheses, parentheses here. I really hope they're trying to say that that's in Rennie's head, because <laughs> otherwise this really don't make sense. So Jason is pulled down under the toxic waste. Rennie and Sean are splashed by the waste, but unaffected. Um, right. <laughs> Somehow. Like a plastic bucket. Right. Just, right. They, they look down and see melty-faced Jason surface from the waste on fire, and then we see a vision of kid Jason drowning, yelling for help. And then for some reason, cartoon lightning strikes the Statue of Liberty, because why the fuck not? And then <laughs> Reddy looks back down to see Kid Jason lying in the waste after the waste starts to, to pull back. So I have a question here. Is this all in her head or was Jason like the terror dogs from Ghostbusters and <laughs> baby Jason was really trapped inside the demonic entity of Jason Voorhees? <coughs> Okay, so yeah, so, again, it doesn't make any—it doesn't make any freaking sense. Yeah, and as a kid, I took it all completely at face value, just like before when we saw like the ghost of Baby Jason, and I kind of assumed it was like 
somehow adult monster Jason has like innocent young drowned boy Jason trapped inside him somehow. Like there are two different spirits, you know? Right. And and then this and then this sequence, it's like I really genuinely thought that the toxic waste, the magical transformation powers of the ooze, <laughs> somehow transformed Jason from a you know waterlogged, slimy zombie back into the innocent little boy that he was when he drowned originally, bringing him completely full circle back to where he started. I believe that so much as like a, you know a very small and very stupid child. <laughs> I believe it so much that when I found out that Jason Goes to Hell was coming out later on, I was like, well. How are they going to explain how Jason is a little boy at the end of the part eight? And now he's got to like grow up again and become a, adult zombie Jason all over again. Like how are they going to explain that? I can't wait to can't wait to see how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, nah. <laughs> but of course, as an adult, yeah, I do. I think that this is all, you know, entirely in Randy's head. I don't think everything, everything that Jason does, you know, adult zombie Jason is all in her head. Like I do think right. he gets like melted by the toxic waste. I do think that he like screams, you know, I, does he say like, you know, you know, mommy help me? No. You know, is he a little child? No. I think everything about Jason, uh, ghost Jason was Rennie hallucinating based way back on that trauma of uncle schmuck, you know, trying to teach her how to swim and scaring her with tales of the boogeyman. Oh, Jason's going to get you if you don't learn how to swim. And that traumatized her so bad that, you know, she grew up just having hallucinations that, you know, Jason was going to get her. And so when the real Jason showed up, you know, she was just confusing the shit in her head. But it, it just drives home the point that this really should have just been Tina from Bart Seven, and with because she was having weird fucked up hallucinations and all kinds of shit already. So it's pretty obvious that this was just the same character that they probably just had to recast, and they just you know took out the Carrie bits. Yeah, yeah. no, I I hundred percent agree because in yeah. part nine the look of Jason is supposed to, like the the reason they say like he's so bulgy and like you know like tumor ridden is from the toxic waste. So it's like they, they yeah, the, the burning melty Jason we see, I believe that's the actual look that Jason ended up with versus turning into a kid. But the way they present it, it's very much like the terror dogs and ghostbusters. Do, do they ever explain in part nine, how he gets from Manhattan, Manhattan to uh, back to cramp crystal Lake. I'm, I'm going to say uh, he took a boat again. <laughs> <laughs> or swam. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he just swam back, you know, because he was he's still trying to get over his fear of water, obviously. <laughs> oh no, you know what it is? The, the the sewers of Manhattan actually connect with Camp Crystal Lake. There you go. That's yeah, so, how it happened. Yep. So they the, the that sluice opened somewhere and he just dumped out in the middle of Crystal Lake. <laughs> well, maybe that's like, the secret. Maybe that's yeah. the secret. Jason drowned in Crystal Lake when he was like 11 years old, and the whole lake is full of toxic waste. Has been secretly being dumped there for decades from New York City, and so you know his mom goes on a killing spree. But little did she know that you know that, uh, the the toxic Avenger Jason was just <laughs> wandering around in the woods, you know, just looking for her the whole time because he had just been mutated into a big giant monster, and he does the weird little puppy dog head swivel because he's really just an 11 year old kid trapped in the body of a monster. <laughs> I think unknowingly you just started a, a possible raised by rentals pitch of Jason meets the toxic Avenger meets captain planet. <laughs> oh, we need to do this, but it's gotta be the Don Cheadle captain planet or I'm not in. Oh, absolutely. We're, oh, Oh God. He's hip thrusting trees and do like people in trees. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Fuck you. You're a tree. <laughs> God, I love that bit.
<laughs> that that one in the robot chicken one where I forget. Uh, oh, God, I forget what executive they have dressed up like Captain Planet. But he's like just like <laughs> fucking zip lining into office buildings, beating the shit out of other executives going recycle or I'll fucking kill you. Like, <laughs> I love it. But so somehow Sean and Rennie get outside and wander the streets of New York City, even though we saw them trapped in the sewer. So Sean mutters, or I'm sorry, Sean gives her the uh, the necklace back that the gangbanger stole. And he mutters, I hear there's a statue here that's 22 stories tall. And she kisses him and hugs him. And we get this POV shot of something coming up behind them. And surprise, it's Rennie's dog, Toby. I want to know Toby's story. What was he up to in New York City while the others were being chased by Jason? He was getting high. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there was this, this whole Lady in the Tramp love story with Toby yes. happening a couple alleys over. Uh, he, he, was, he was getting drugged and raped by the other New York dogs. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we pan to Times Square. Cue Darkest Side of Night. Credits <laughs> the end. God. Oh, part, part of me is so happy that it's over and part of me is like fuck yeah let's watch it again <laughs> I know right <laughs> oh my god like there, there's some wacky shit in this movie man like I, I mean there's a lot of a lot of different trivia um, but like one of the things that that I do I do believe about this film is that Kane Hodder said some of the most fun he's ever had playing as playing Jason was filming in Times Square. Um, he said there were spectators lined up and down the block watching them film. And, uh, you know, he never took off the mask. So he always stayed in character as Jason in public and just had fun, you know, like scaring people and watching the crowd go crazy. Mm-hmm. And you, you can see that in Jason's performance. Like Kane was having a blast. You know, everybody else might have been phoning it in with their performance, but Katie was having fucking fun. Hell yeah. So, uh, oh, and this is this is one of those special effects moments that I'm sure we all know about. But um, Kane talked about the uh, the 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 water barfing scene with Jason where he pu- that's actually Kane puking up water. Oh, gross. Not a special effect. Well, because Kane can puke on command. Oh, yeah. That's uh, right. I heard about he, that. I guess he was drinking. I read that he was drinking pitchers of water. Yep, so he could do it. Because they, they also do that in, uh, I, I can't remember which one of the Hatchet films, but they do it in one of the Hatchet films because, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Adam Green <laughs> was talking to Kane Hodder about it. He's like, oh yeah, I can puke on command. He's like, wait, really? So <laughs> he, he like just wanted to see him do it. And yeah, he, he can puke on command. So <laughs> that is not a special effect. But, uh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, interesting stuff. Um, we already talked about Ken Kissinger being in here and we talked a lot about some of the trivia already, but, uh, it, it really does disappoint me that this was like the last Friday the 13th for a while, you know, it was like, they, they didn't come back to the franchise because this kind of flopped at the box office. I mean, and understandably, so you promised Jason takes Manhattan and he only takes it in the last 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> But it takes it good. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like this prompted them to sell to New Line. And then New Line killed Jason on their first outing. And uh, Ben just left the property dead in the water for several years. And it's Bullshit. like, yeah, it, it really does suck. And I know the reason it happened. They, they were trying to set up Freddy versus Jason. And of course, there was all sorts of, 
you know, problems with the script. They could never get a script, you know, that they were happy with. So it took years and years and years for that to happen. Um, I would argue that some of the scripts that were planned were a little bit better than, than what we actually got. But realistically, the whole reason we were watching it anyway is to watch Freddy and Jason fight. And those fight scenes are badass. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, do you guys have any, uh, any particular last-minute thoughts on Friday the 13th Part 8? I'll just say, if you want to experience a story of Jason taking Manhattan, you should definitely watch this movie. But if you want a good experience, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you should read the uh, comic book, The Maniac of New York. Uh, Maniac of New York from Aftershock uh, Comics is absolute genius. It is not about Jason Voorhees, you know, it is, uh, about, uh, you know, it's a slasher character an original slasher character, but it is basically what Jason takes Manhattan should have been. It is a slasher story that, you know, lives up to that title. And, uh, uh, aftershock comics has released two miniseries so far. It's an ongoing like story. Like we haven't seen the end of it yet. I just recently read those two miniseries and it is just Absolute genius. Uh, it's written by uh, Elliot. Uh, is it Kalen? He's the, one of the hosts of the the Flophouse. Um, Elliot, is that his name? Kalen? Yeah. Well, he's the host of the the Flophouse uh, uh, podcast. Um, and uh, anyway, it's an absolutely uh, genius uh, comic. And yeah, you should definitely check that out to actually get you know a good version of this story. <laughs> I I do have the first trade in my collection. <laughs> Um, it's one of the things that are sitting in my to read pile. Uh, that pile has gotten far too big lately, uh, where I keep buying random trades that I'm like, Ooh, that looks good. And then I struggle to find time to read it. Um, so yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's sitting in there, but I, I definitely want to check that out. Cause it looked like a really fun horror comic. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, sorry, you, go ahead. If you want to read a good horror comic, uh, I got you, you need to read it. Something that's killing the children. Yes, I do need to read that still too. I have, that's in my to read pile as well. Have that's you read that, Josh? My, no, it's in my to read pile as well. Is it? Oh, it's. Oh, I've I've been reading it since issue one. Uh, I I've collected it single issues. I I loved it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, of James Tinney and the Fourth, the writer on that one too. Yes, so, yeah, yeah, I definitely I definitely want to read it. But yeah, my my to read pile is also absolutely out of control because um, uh, <laughs> the amount the amount of shit that I post on Instagram that I buy is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I, I'm looking at stacks of books right now in front of me. Uh, yeah, and I got a whole shelf of like trades I've bought and not read yet. So I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I, I, I still got to read that scud omnibus I got for my birthday because I was like, oh, shit, I really want the omnibus. And then and Jess was cool enough to go out and get it for me. And I'm like, shit, I got to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I'm jealous. I love that. Yeah, I, I've, I've got comics that I've had for years that I haven't read yet. But, you know, I, I prioritize things just based on I used to keep a list and then I would get like bogged down. And so now I just read whatever the fuck I want and I don't really care. Yeah. So I, actually I was with Tegan at the comic book shop recently and she saw the, uh, the cover of one of the issues of the second series of uh, Maniac of New York, uh, the Bronx is burning. And it was a parody of the original Dawn of the dead poster, you know, an homage oh, yeah, to yeah. that. 
and and uh, she didn't even know it was a parody of the poster because she didn't recognize it. She just thought it was a really, really cool image and picked it up and started flipping through it and was just like, oh, I, I need to own this. And so <laughs> we just bought – we bought all the issues while we were there, and she read most of it before, like, even she even went to bed that night. And the next day she just, like, shoved it at me and was like, you have to read this. Like, forget everything else. Like, I don't care what you're reading. Like, you have to read this. And, nice. yeah, she was, it was, she was absolutely right. So it's definitely worth it. And I should mention, too, that the artist is uh, Andrea Muti, who is also – so the artist of Bunny Mask, which apparently has some kind of a crossover. Uh, and I, I had that one. I bought the trade when I went back to the comic shop because uh, I, I had to I had to know more. I'm suddenly in love with Aftershock comics. But anyway, I don't have any more thoughts about the movie. I think I said my piece. Read the yeah. comic. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'm now I'm going to move that up on my list to read because uh, I, I, I really want to read it. And the art is good. I've, I've thumbed through it and the, the artwork is gorgeous. Um but yeah, so for those of you that are not following us on the socials, uh, we are the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's The. Thank you very much. Uh, that is where you, you will see on the social media the weird flasher picture I was talking about uh, in this, this episode. <laughs> I will post it on there. So definitely check that out. Uh, we also have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as an exclusive episode every month. Uh, the higher tiers will get you stuff in the mail and the ability to pick episodes for like birthdays and whatnot. Um, but I am going to uh, toss this over to Josh now to do our Rad Pantheon plug as well as some <laughs> plugs for yourself there, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, everyone should definitely check out RadPantheon.com. Rad Pantheon is an alliance, a super team of pop culture crazed podcasters, artists, photographers, musicians, you name it. Uh, a whole bunch of uh, really, really great projects. And if you like this show, you should definitely check out some of the projects at RadPantheon.com. Uh, one of which is uh, our sister podcast, Raised by Rentals, where we look at properties from the VHS era and improv new stories about what we would do if we were in control of our favorite movies tv and video game properties uh as well as uh, comics boost a channel i run on instagram and twitter but you can come check out some great crowdfunding uh, comic book projects i've talked about comics a lot uh and there's a lot of really great stuff on there uh what am i forgetting uh well i i'm good i'm just gonna give a plug for uh, for heretic party because i finally got caught up on that podcast um you guys have been telling me for a while to listen to it i've been wanting to listen to it for a while and I, I made the time this week to sit down and be like, I'm going to binge it. I'm going to listen to all of them. And uh, it was awesome. I, I was listening to it while I was drawing. And those guys are killing it. So definitely check out Heretic Party, part of the Rad Pantheon. Also, of course, Count Creepy Head Saturday Morning Monster Mash, which is another podcast I'm a part of. Lots of, of I don't even want to say it's just toys now. It's all pop culture and sanity, but it's a lot of wackiness. <laughs> so if you want to <laughs> listen to some really weird and funny stuff, check out Count Creepy Head. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, proud to have the Heretic Party guys with us in Rad Pantheon because they they are they are crushing it. Really good podcast. Um, For sure, yeah, I I completely agree. I'm super excited about it. And hey, one more real quick, I'll, I want to throw out the uh, uh, my brother Justin von Strasberg, the composer of the theme song for this show. He yes. just put it put out a new album uh, on Bandcamp. So uh, again, go to redpantheon.com. There's a link to justinvonstrasberg.com, and you can follow it through. Uh, find his new album on Bandcamp. Check it out. I actually uh, just picked that up this past. Uh, I want to say it was. Friday, Friday, Thursday, or Friday. I can't remember which day, but I picked it up while I was at work and uh, listened to it while I was working. And yeah, if you like the opening theme to this, definitely check it out. You'll love his music. So 
good stuff. Uh, for those of you that listen to our next or want to watch our uh, next episode before, or sorry, want to watch the next movie before we cover it on the next episode, we are going to be covering next uh, episode 143, the Amityville Horror from 2005. So the uh, 2005 remake with uh, with Ryan Ryan Reynolds. I, I will argue that that is the only reason people fondly remember that movie. Uh, yeah, the, be- the beard. I heard you guys mention that before. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. And as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned.